some of the orchestra back, isn't it? Man, that was good. Thank you all. Absolutely. Praise the Lord for that. Hey, it's time, pastime really, to address America's favorite pastime. And I, I don't necessarily mean baseball. I mean, baseball is pretty good to watch right now if you're not watching it. But I know 100% of our population doesn't watch baseball. So I'm talking about of our entire population. What is our favorite pastime as an entire nation? What is it that we love to do? Well, according to Amazon, Amazon has a database, and Amazon keeps up with when you read an ebook and you make highlights, Amazon knows it and notes it. And so the Bible is one of those books that gets highlighted. And recently they released some of the most highlighted passages in the Bible. And the number one one on the list was not John 3.16. We sang that early today in our time of worship. It wasn't Psalm 46 that we just sang a moment ago. Most highlighted passage of the Bible wasn't Psalm 23. It wasn't any psalm at all. It wasn't the disciples' prayer, Matthew 6, 9 through 13. It was most highlighted passage in the Bible, according to Amazon's database, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So if we're to take that most highlighted passage and deduce from it what our favorite pastime might be, I believe we could make a case that America's favorite pastime is worry. Worry, 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 worry. We live in a world of worry, full of worry warts. We text each other, we say to each other, hey, no worries, not to worry. Don't worry about it. Why do we do that? Because we're always worried about one another's worrying. Worry consumes us, doesn't it? Most of our day is spent worrying. And we worry about the worst case scenario in every scenario. I wonder today, are you being whipped by worry? Well, the Lord Jesus has something to say about anxiousness, worry, and anxiety in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 34 in this section of the Sermon on the Mount. So we're going to read it together. I've got a few thoughts I want to pull from the text. First thing I want to do is read this. You follow along. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Here's what the Lord Jesus has to say about worry. Therefore I tell you, Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven... Will he not much more clothe you, of you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, 
What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Uh, Father, we pray in the name of Jesus this morning that you would open our hearts, soften our hearts, open our eyes, help us to hear from you, help us to receive your word, respond to it, be challenged by it, be changed by it. Lord, may some worshiping today put their faith in you for the very first time. May others come to the place where they realize they do not have to be troubled by all the trouble they'll face today. We ask all this in Jesus' name and God's people said, All right, here's a thought when it comes to worry that I want to pull out of the text. And the first one is worrying is sin. To worry is to sin. Worrying is sin. It's a sinful human expression. It's an expression of human sinfulness to worry. Now, you'll notice the very first word here is therefore. And we need to always look and see what the therefore is there for. And we do that by looking what lies before the therefore. And what lies before it is the end of verse 24. And it reads this way. You cannot serve God and, somebody say and. You can't serve God and money. Now, understand, you absolutely can serve God or money, right? But you cannot serve God and money. God and stuff. God and fill in the blank. You can't serve God and something else. And so based on that truth, that that biblical truth, that you cannot serve two masters, and that the Lord is calling us to seek first His kingdom and His righteousness... Then Jesus addresses all these other things that distract us, that we're running around crazy trying to keep what we've got and get what we don't have, right? And Jesus addresses that. He says, therefore, because you can't serve both, God and, fill in the blank, I tell you, and this is Jesus who's telling us this. This is the same Jesus, remember, he was hungry in the wilderness, right? He knew what it felt like to be hungry. He knew what it felt like to, man, when am I going to eat again? His belly would say that, I'm sure. He knew what it was like to have nowhere to lay his head. He knew that. And he is telling us, I tell you, do not be anxious. Now, the word anxious here means a divided mind, a distracted mind. Again, an expression of human sinfulness. It means to be encumbered with cares, to be unduly concerned about now let me be clear from the get-go of this message on worry that I am not I repeat I am not a trained doctor of psychology I'm not a trained doctor of psychiatrics I in no way shape form or fashion can diagnose or treat clinical anxiety I don't have a clue 
In fact, when I graduated finally with a Ph.D. in preaching, my youngest daughter reminded me that I'm not a real doctor at all, okay? I don't have a clue about clinical anxiety. No clue. That is not the worry this text is addressing. The worry that Jesus is addressing here is not the God-given fear that God has given us to fear danger and to flee from sin. That is not the concern he's addressing here. He is not addressing clinical anxiety. The Lord Jesus right here is addressing worry and anxiety as a lack of trust in the promises and providence of God. That's what he's addressing here. He's addressing that uh, expression, those sinful responses to God's promises and providence. It's a sure sign that you are doubting the faithfulness of God when you worry about all these things and fail to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. It's like this. It's like we're saying, Lord, I know you mean well by what you say, but I'm not sure if you can really pull it off. Right? It's a distrust in the promises and providence of God. In fact, that is sin. Make no mistake about it. Worrying is sin. Now, here's what we try to do with our worry. We try to clean it up. We try to sanitize our worry. We try to have it to be one of those sanitized sins that, 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 we, that we clean up to the point that it's not really sin anymore. You can't sanitize worry to be no sin. It is sin. To distrust the promises and providence and sovereignty of God is absolutely sin. Period. And so Jesus says, do not be anxious about your life. Ruth Bell Graham said it like this, worship and worry cannot live in the same heart. They are mutually exclusive. So what are we not to be anxious about? What are we not to worry about? He tells us about your life. Listen, one thing Tanya and I love to do before COVID-19, we hadn't been maybe once since then, but love to go to the movies. When we go on Fridays after a long work week, it's just a, a, a mindless exercise to go sit down and watch a movie. And, and if we miss the previews, I didn't want to go. I'm there for the previews. I want to see what's coming. And I know 2020 has felt like we need to fall on our knees before God and pray, God, could you please show us like the, the movie trailer of, of the year 2021 so we'll know what's coming? I know it feels like that, Right? But can we trust God? Can we trust His promises even in the year 2020? Even in a COVID-19 year and amidst, and amidst all of that, that surrounds this virus, can we live in such a way where we're not anxious about our life? Is that even possible? And the answer is absolutely yes. Now, obviously, no one is exempt from getting this, this virus. If the president and the first lady of the most powerful nation in the world can get it, I can get it and you can get it. Maybe you've had it already. Maybe you're going to get it. Maybe I'm going to get it. We certainly, it's all possible that all of us will get it. It's a possibility. And it's not going anywhere. We need to learn to live with it. We don't need to be paralyzed living in fear from it. We've got to learn how to live with it. So let's think through this. Okay, let's think through what Jesus is saying. He says, do not be anxious about your life. And let's apply it specifically to the COVID-19 situation. Let, let's just think through this logically. Think about it. Let's say, God forbid, but let's say you get COVID-19. Okay, you test positive for COVID-19. The CDC says this. 
that those are infected from the age of 0 to 19 have a 99.997% chance of recovering. Age 20 to 49, a 99.98% chance of recovering. Age 50 to 69, 99.5% chance of recovering. Age 70 and above, 94.6% chance of recovering. Okay, so most people that test positive for COVID-19 will not die from it. Some have. Too many have, right? Way too many have. And so let's think about that. You're worrying anyway, so let's take it to the worst case scenario. Let's say, God forbid, that you get COVID-19 as a believer in the Lord Jesus. Let's say you get it, and let's say, God forbid this, but let's say you die. In Christ... What happens? Here's what Paul says. Thank you. Here's what Paul says. To live is Christ, to die is what? That means profit. Okay? Uh, here's what Paul says. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. To be with Christ is far better. Now, will we be careful and cautious? Absolutely, we're going to be careful and cautious. Of course. We're going to do all the things that we're to do to protect ourselves and our families. Absolutely. But we cannot be gripped with fear as a believer and be paralyzed by fear and be whipped by worry. Jesus said that is sin to be whipped by worry. Notice, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink. So let's think about that. You say, well, here in America, we never worry about what we're going to eat. We have a refrigerator. We have a freezer full of deer meat. It's packed full. We, we, have, a, we have a garden. Man, we don't ever have to worry about food. We have, a, we have a, a pantry that's full of food. We have supermarkets on every corner. We don't ever worry about that in America. But then it happens. The pandemic hits. And we hear a rumor that there's a shortage of fill in the blank. And we run to Walmart and buy them out of everything. Why do we do that? Because we're worried. That's why we do that. Lord, Jesus says, don't worry about that. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to drink. Now, the other day, I went to a sandwich shop, got a sandwich. I hate mayonnaise. I, I do not like mayonnaise. I don't care what you do to it, what you put in it, what you put it on. I don't like it. I don't like it. So I ordered a sandwich with turkey and lettuce, tomato, onion, and mustard. No mayonnaise. Praise the Lord for no mayonnaise. Praise for no mayonnaise. I don't like it. So that's how I ordered the sandwich. And I got it to go, and they bagged it up and got it to go and went to where I was going to eat it at and opened the sandwich up, and it was meat, turkey, on wheat, and the only thing on it was mayonnaise. It's the only thing it had on it was mayonnaise. In fact, it had so much mayonnaise, I had a little turkey with my mayonnaise. So I take it back, I don't eat it, I take it back, and I ask them if they can make me another one, and, and I take it in, so I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to just steal a sandwich, I really did buy one. They said, well, we can't take it back, just throw that one away and we'll make you a fresh one. And so they did, and they were so apologetic and so nice and kind, and turkey on wheat, lettuce, tomato, onion, and mustard. So they made it, bagged it up, and I was waiting outside because I didn't have my mask, and I was standing outside, and they brought it to me, apologetic, and I was thankful, and I took it and went to the office and sat down and opened the sandwich up, and it was just, man, it, was, it just looked fantastic. Just warm wheat bread. I mean, you could tell the care they took in, in making this sandwich. 
the tomato was crisp, the onion was in the right place, the lettuce was just right, the mustard on top, it just looked fantastic. The only problem was it didn't have any turkey on it. <laughs> no meat on the sandwich at all. No meat. Well, I didn't take it back a third time. I went in a few days later, and they started, I could hear them whispering when I came in, I think that's the guy from the church, I think that's the guy from the church, I think that's the guy from the church. And so I walk in, and I hear them whispering that, and I'm thinking, man, I'm on TV, I'm famous, right? <laughs> nope, that wasn't it at all. They said, hey, we owe you a sandwich. I said, well, great. And they, so they said, we'll make you a free sandwich. But they didn't know how to ring it up free, and so they didn't ring it up. They just were going to make it, but then it didn't get in the system to get made. Well, ultimately, I did get the sandwich. It just took a little longer because they didn't have it in their system to make it. Uh, so when I got the sandwich, finally, and I, I, people have said to me through the years and some of these stories I tell in my sermon, they said, is he making that up? Listen, I don't make this stuff up. This stuff happens to me. And so th this happened, and, and I just sat there and I thought, you know, if, if this sandwich shop can finally get it right and give me what I ordered to eat, if it can provide for what I want, surely our Heavenly Father can provide for what we need. Right? And that's what Jesus is referring to here when he says, don't be anxious about these things, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. Don't be, don't be anxious about it. In fact, we have proof in 2020 that God provides food for people. Do you know in 2020 God has used you to pass out 7,000 boxes of food? You know that? 7,000 boxes of vegetables and fruit have come from USDA, Farmers of America, right through this church to our community. We've got 4,000 more boxes coming in October, and this time they're going to have dairy in them, milk and cheese and even meat. They're not going to forget the meat. They're going to have it in there this time. And so in October 10th and 22nd, another opportunity for us to take this food and feed our community. Wow. This is our Heavenly Father that's providing this. Even in 2020, we can trust Him. Why worry when we can trust, worrying is sin. And then, it, then he has a word about our body. Don't, don't worry about your body, what you'll put on, what you'll wear. How is it? I, I love the argument. He goes from greater to lesser. He says, don't worry about your life, okay, what you'll eat or drink. See, life is greater than food and water. Don't worry about your body. Body is greater than clothes you put on it. In other words, you can trust the creator the one who created you, you can trust him to sustain you. He's not going to give life and then not give what's needed to sustain life. He's not going to give the body and then not give what is needed to sustain the body. That's not who our Heavenly Father is. So don't worry about it. Don't be anxious unduly about the things that the world is chasing after. And let me say a word about body here. I know that body image is a big deal for ladies, young ladies, students, teenagers, even ladies of any age, I'm sure. I know body image is something that's, that the world says is the most important thing. Listen, don't listen to that garbage. You were created in the image of God Almighty. And that is far more important than any image you're going to look at in a mirror. So don't buy into that garbage. Lord says, don't worry about your body. I'm so thankful that in 1 Timothy, it says a little exercise is good, but godliness is better. I'm so glad that life isn't about burpees. I don't know about you, but I'm so grateful for that. It's not about physical exercise all the time. It's, it's more than that. 
God the creator, the one who created us, can most certainly sustain us. So do not be anxious, the Lord says. Now, I know there's times where you say, God, what you waiting on? Well, here, God's never late. We just don't know how to wait. <laughs> okay? So let's worship in the meantime and not worry. Number two, here's a second thought I have about worry. Pulling out of verse 26. Look at verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. So here's the second one. Worrying is non-essential. It's just non-essential. It's unnecessary. It's unnecessary. It's non-essential. Jesus says, look at the birds of the air. He uses an illustration here. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap. You know there's 8,000 species of birds? 8,000. And God feeds every bird in each of those species. 8,000. Now, he may use different ways to feed them. He's using my mother right now to feed about 4,000 of those species. She's using all our inheritance on bird feed. <laughs> Bind it up! So he'll use different ways to feed them, but the Heavenly Father is the one who's feeding them. He's feeding the birds of the air. And it does not say that the Creator God is feeding the birds of the air. It doesn't say that the great bird in the sky is feeding the birds of the air. Don't miss what it says. The Bible says, Jesus said, it is your Heavenly Father that's feeding them. Now think about that. Our Heavenly Father, God Almighty, is providing for creatures, birds... Listen, a bird was not made in the image of God, okay? So here's God Almighty providing for creatures who were not made in His image. Don't you imagine that He will provide for us who are made in His image? He is our Heavenly Father. He feeds them. He will provide for you as He does them. Think about it this way. Parents, if you're a parent, raise your hand. Wave at me. All right, grandparents, wave. Grandparents, yes, great-grandparents. Great-great-grand... Whoa. All right, parents, grandparents, great-grandparents. Think about it like this. Think about your children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, great-great-grandchildren. Just think about this for a moment. How many times has your child come to you wringing their hands, worried about if they're going to eat food, if they're going to have a meal to eat. Now, they may not like what you put in front of them, but are they worried about, oh my, we're not going to be able to eat a meal today. Oh my, I don't know where I'm going to sleep tonight. Do they do that? Absolutely not. Why? Because they know you. They know you love them. They know you are faithful to provide for them. Why? Because you're their parent. Parents and grandparents, great-grandparents, God Almighty is infinitely more faithful than we are. So worrying just is unnecessary. It's just non-essential. For the one who provides for the birds of the air is going to provide for those made in his own image. So while worshiping is a non-negotiable, worrying is just non-essential. William Inge said it like this, worry is interest paid on trouble before it's due. How many of you race off to, to this company or that company? How many of you race off to the bank to pay interest before it's due? Probably not many of us. Yet when we worry, that's what we're doing. We're paying interest on trouble before it's due. 
William Ward said it like this, Worry is faith in the negative, trust in the unpleasant, assurance of disaster and belief in defeat. Worry is wasting today's time to clutter up tomorrow's opportunities with yesterday's trouble. Corey Tin Boom said it like this, Worry is an old man with bended head carrying a load of feathers he thinks are lead. It's just unnecessary. Just non-essential. Number three, here's a third thought. Pull it from 27, 28, 29, and verse number 30. And here's the thought. Worrying makes no sense. It's unproductive. Doesn't add anything to your life whatsoever. In fact, I would argue it takes away from your life. It doesn't add to it. It makes no sense. Now, I know 2020 feels like, if 2020 was a drink, right? I know the drink 2020 feels like is a colonoscopy prep, right? <laughs> I know that. But still in all, worrying makes no sense. It just doesn't make any sense in 2020, any time to worry. And here's what the Lord says. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? Here's what, here's what worry does. Worry divides the mind. That's, that's literally, if you look at the Greek, that's what it means, divides the mind. Okay, so it divides division. I'm not a math guru, but division, I think, is something that happens in math. So it divides. It multiplies misery. It subtracts happiness. But it never adds anything to your life can't add a single hour. It can't add a single second to your life. It's like rocking in a rocking chair. You know, you, you have something to do. It just doesn't, just don't get very far, do you? That, that makes me think of the, the guy who worried so much, just overtaken with worry to the point that hair was falling out of his toupee, right? <laughs> I mean, it just makes no sense. Even Solomon is used here as an illustration in verse 28 and verse 29. The lilies of the field, they grow, right? They are, they are arrayed in so much beauty. And yet they're here one day, gone the next. And Jesus said, listen, even Solomon, in all his wealth, in all his glory, in all his wisdom, even Solomon pales in comparison to a lily in the field that's here one day, gone the next. So it just doesn't make any sense to be anxious about what you're going to eat, wear, live, drink, unnecessary, totally makes no sense. I was reading about a wife of a federal judge. This federal judge had a very controversial case in federal court. And he was worried about being bugged, his house, his office, etc. His wife got him a tie, a very decorative green tie. And it had this little disc sewn into the fabric of the tie. And he felt it one day and got nervous and called the FBI. And they came, got the tie, and sent it to Washington to be an, uh, to, to the FBI headquarters for analysis. And he heard back from them. And this is what the FBI told him about that disc and his tie. He said, listen, we don't know the origin of that disc. We don't know where that disc came from. But we discovered when you press it, it plays jingle bells. <laughs> Again, it just makes no sense to worry 92%, according to a University of Wisconsin study, 92% of what we worry about never happens. It just doesn't make any sense to worry. 
Worrying makes no sense. God said it this way. Look what Jesus says. Oh, you of little faith. Man, it doesn't take much faith to worry, does it? That's why our prayer needs to be as followers of Christ. We need to pray daily. When, when we're tempted to worry, when we're tempted to be anxious, oh, can we pray, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Oh, Lord, help my unbelief. Man, that should be our go-to prayer when worry tries to whip us. Pray, Lord, help my unbelief. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Therefore, do not be anxious. Last one. Here we go. Worrying makes us sick. It just it physically makes us sick. Now, I was reading about a, two friends, Joe and Bill, and Joe was a worrier. They called him Joe the Worrier. And Bill noticed he wasn't worrying anymore, and he got it just struck him. He said, man, this guy's he's happy. He doesn't have a care in the world. He's, he's not concerned about anything he's not worrying what happened so he went and talked to Joe Joe what happened Joe said well I've hired somebody to do all my worrying for me says really well how much does that cost is a thousand dollars a week Bill said a thousand dollars a week aren't you worried about how you're going to pay for that he said no that's why I'm paying him to do all the worry and I want you to realize that the Bible tells us to cast our cares your worries, your concerns, your anxiousness, we are to cast them on the one who cares for us. And it's not going to cost you $1,000 a week. It's not going to cost you a penny just to cast your cares upon him. And here's why we need to do so. Look at the, what the Gentiles are doing. Look what the world's doing. That They're seeking after all these things. What should we drink? What should we eat? What should we, what should we wear? Just like your head's spinning. You're just worrying yourself sick about all these things. We work so hard to get money, then we work so hard to keep money. We work so hard to get stuff, then we work extra hard to keep the stuff. And we're just making ourselves sick with worry. In fact, I don't know if you've ever suffered from difficulty swallowing or inability to concentrate or shortness of breath or sweating or dizziness, dry mouth, fast heartbeat, fatigue, headaches, irritability, muscle aches, muscle tension, nausea, nervous energy. If so, those aren't symptoms of any type of virus. That is the symptoms of worry, according to WebMD. Making people physically ill is what worrying will do for you. Not adding anything to your life, only taking away from. And true, it's true. God tells us the truth. The Lord Jesus always tells us the truth. The truth always speaks the truth. And in verse 34, he tells us the truth. Therefore, not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Jesus never told you you weren't going to face trouble. He said, absolutely, yes, you're going to face trouble. Absolutely. You're going to have plenty to worry about. The key is to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. The key is, is you don't have to be troubled by all the trouble. Jesus has overcome it. The key is that yes, sufficient for the day is its own trouble, but Jesus told Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. Like his, his mercy, his grace is enough for us today, sufficient for us today, right now in our trouble today. It is sufficient. And so the key verse here is verse 33, obviously. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So you've got these two opportunities to seek. You can seek after what the world's seeking after, what the Gentiles are seeking after, all this stuff that we chase around. Or you can seek the kingdom of God. 
Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. We can seek that or we can seek after all these worries. We can seek to worship or we can seek all these worries. Now, when you become a follower of Christ, when you enter into a relationship with God the Father, the Creator, through God the Son, when that happens to you, here's what happens in your heart. You are given a new ambition. You are given a competing desire that that comes against this flesh. Again, notice what he says, seek first. It doesn't mean master the kingdom of God or you've arrived in the kingdom of God. It doesn't say you've mastered it. It says you seek it. Why? Because we're still in the flesh. We're in the already and the not yet. We're already saved. We're not yet in heaven. So we've got to battle this flesh. And the way we do that is through the fruit of the Spirit. And so as a believer, your desires change. You have a competing desire in your heart for the glory of God and the things of God that compete against the flesh and the pull of the flesh and the things of this world that worry us. So the idea here is to seek first, foremost, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, not to seek after those things that the world chases, that God's going to give you, add them to you, what you need in the body and in this life to be his vessel, to be his ambassador, to be his witness, to be his servant, to be his mouthpiece. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. So here's our takeaway today. It's pretty simple. Worship your worries away. Don't worry your worship away. Too many of us worry our worship away. We get to worried in the day and we're worried so much we forget to worship throughout the day. And so we're to seek first the kingdom of God. Well, what does that mean? That means you're to seek first what it means to be a husband in the kingdom of God. Seek first what it means to be a wife in the kingdom of God. Seek first what it means to love one another in the kingdom of God. Seek first what it means to be an ambassador for Christ, a servant for Christ in the kingdom of God. What does it mean to seek first the kingdom of God in every area of your life? And that is worship. We don't just worship here on Sundays. We worship every day. We worship in the way we give and serve and love and share. All of that is worship before the king. And so we're to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. We're to worship our worries away, not worry all that worshiping away. Worship your worries away. Worrying is sin. It is non-essential. It makes no sense and it makes us sick. You know, when you think about God commanding Abraham to take Isaac, his son, his only son, the one he loved, and offer him up as a sacrifice. Abraham and Isaac, they didn't travel off to afraid of one's own shadow avenue or to anxiety alley to worry. They went up to Mount Moriah to worship. When John the Baptist came baptizing, he didn't come from Bundles of Nerves Boulevard preaching a worrisome message of beware the lion of God who takes away the sinners of the world. He came preaching a worshipful message. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. When the wine ran out at the wedding, it wasn't the wedding at, at Carity, Scaredy Cat Circle where Jesus' his disciples and his mothers were invited to and they were worried about, is Jesus going to be able to pull this off? It was the wedding at Cana where they worshiped the one who can, Jesus Messiah. When Daniel, when King Nebuchadnezzar asked for his dream to be not only told to him but interpreted, Daniel didn't run off like a scaredy cat. He didn't, he didn't run off to the block of break out in a sweat street and doubts drive to worry. He went home to worship. That's, that's what God's servants have always done. They've chosen worship over worry. And we can too. 
There's no difference in us today. When Elijah came preaching, if the Lord is God, follow him. And if Baal is God, follow him. He wasn't standing on the edge of Mount Dead End Drop worrying. He was on Mount Carmel worshiping. Man, when followers of Christ, when we follow Jesus, we don't follow him to learn how to worry. We follow him to learn how to worship. When Gideon was told, 300 of your men are going to overtake Midian, Gideon didn't work himself up to worry. He fell down and worshiped. When Hannah could bear no children, she didn't hike up heartache hills to worry. She went to God's house to worship. When Lazarus came out of that tomb, he didn't walk over to shaking like a leaf lame, worrying when he was going to die again. He was let go and let loose so he and others could worship Jesus who made him alive again. This is what God's people do. They choose worship over worry. It's what we're to choose, worship over worry. When Nehemiah heard the walls of Jerusalem were no more, he didn't run off to nervous as a cat neighborhood to worry. But what did he do? He sat down, he fasted, he prayed, and he worshiped. When Paul and Silas were arrested, they weren't on pins and needles in prison worrying. They were praising God and worshiping. That's what we're to do. We're to worship our worries away. So let me challenge us today. It's time. Church, it's beyond time. We need to exit off anxiety alley. We, do. We, need to, we need to be gone from Bundle of Nerves Boulevard. We need to crawl off of Scaredy Cat Circle. We need to depart from Doubt's Drive. We need to fly away from Frazzled Fairway. We need to, to leave Shaking Like a Leaf Lane and navigate out of the nervous as a, as, as a cat neighborhood. We need to stay off a of stressed out street. We need to turn away and take off from, from troubled terrace. And we need to wander off from woe is me on worry way. And we need to worship our worries away. I, I want to say something to every believer in the room or worshiping online. Let, let, let me say this to you. I want to give you a list of reasons why you have no reason to worry. Okay? So you need to write these down, take out a pen, a pad, use your device. Here's a list of reasons why you have no reason to worry as a believer. All right, you ready for this? Here's the list. Number one, Jesus. That's it. That's the list. That's the tweet. That's it. Now, for all the unbelievers who have not yet put your faith in Christ, maybe you've got questions about it, maybe you just outright reject it all as foolishness, maybe you're right on the verge of putting your faith in Christ. I want to give you a list of reasons why you have every reason to worry. Here's a list of reasons why unbelievers have every reason to worry. Here's number one. No Jesus. That's the list. That's it. That's the tweet. That's it. Jesus. Jesus is the one preaching this sermon in Matthew 6. He's the one whom God spared not his own son. Don't we think he can provide for us freely give us all things he didn't spare his son 
Jesus didn't die for a bird. He didn't die for a lily in the field. He died for you. And he died for me. And he died for Solomon. And he died for every person in every race and every ethnicity and every tribe and every language and every people. He satisfied God's wrath on the cross so we wouldn't have to worry about that. He paid the penalty of our sins so we wouldn't have to worry about that. He settled that at the cross. And so if you're worrying, if I, wait, if I go to sleep tonight and I don't wake up tomorrow where I'm going to be, what's going to happen after I die, if you're worried about that and you can't say I'm going to be with the Lord in heaven, if you're worried about that, you don't have to be. You can handle that today. You can deal with that today. You can turn from your sin and put your trust in Jesus alone. You don't have to worry about that. The Bible says if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and you confess with your mouth that he is Lord, you'll be saved. If you call upon the name of Jesus, believing in your heart, he is the Son of God, then you will be saved. And I want to encourage you to do that right now, wherever you are, with a simple prayer of, Lord, I know that I have sinned against you. I know that Jesus paid the penalty of my sin and was raised from the dead. And I put my faith and trust in what he's done for me. I want to follow him today as Lord. You turn to him. You say, Lord, I need your help today. I need to be saved. He'll save you right now. And we want you to do that. And we want to hear from you. So text the word CONNECT to 79969 so we can pray with you and help you in that decision. And celebrate if you've already done that. For all the believers in the room, we're going to sing in a moment. We're going to sing a whole song. So we got plenty of time. And I'm going to encourage you to come fill up these steps and cast your cares upon the Lord. I know you're worried about something. I don't have any doubt you're worried about something. Well, it's time to choose worship over worry and just come cast them down. Now, we can spread out. You can wait for somebody to come and go back before if you want to wait until you have more space. But please feel free to come. And at home, find a place where you can get before the Lord and cast your cares to Him. Father, we love you and praise you. Help us worship you in spirit and truth. Help us respond in a way that pleases you. In Christ's name, amen.